Uh, it's great to be here and to worship. And um, we pray every Sunday before worship that we'll be caught up in the spirit. And um, worship is more than singing. And uh seems to me that, that God is here this morning. And uh, God is always here. Maybe we're just a bit more attentive sometimes to the spirit. But uh, praise the Lord. It's, uh, it's great to be here this morning. Well, I want you to complete these phrases with me. And as I ask you to do this, it occurs to me that some of you younger people in our congregation uh, may never have heard these phrases. So if, if you don't know how to complete them, then don't say anything because you'll screw this thing up. Okay? <laughs> if it sounds too good to be true, it is. <laughs> Did somebody say it probably is? It is. There's no such thing as a free Good. I thought we'd have trouble with that one. There is no gain without... (laughs) And then from the book of something... No, it's not from the Bible. God helps those who... Amen. Well, we have been taught in this life that we get what we deserve. Right? That there is indeed no such thing as a free lunch. (laughs) We've learned that if we are to make something of life, something of ourselves, it is truly up to us. If it is to be, it's up to me. (laughs) That was across the the, uh, locker room in my junior high football days, right? When the going gets tough, the tough get out. Um, No, truly, if, 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 if life, if we're going to make something of our life, right, uh, we believe, don't we, we've been taught that it's up to us to make that happen. I was taught as a kid that I could do anything. I could do anything as long as I put my mind to it, as long as I worked hard enough. Um, anything that I wanted could be mine. And we learn to work hard, most of us. We're driven people. Many of us. And many of us make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it. Right. Sir John Gielgud. Remember him saying that with that advertisement before some of you were born? The problem, however, at least for those of us who follow Christ, is that God doesn't operate according to this American, North American, Western European work ethic. God isn't impressed necessarily with how much we get done. Need I say that God isn't necessarily impressed with how much money we make either. In God's economy, hard work and earning power is not a primary value. It's the truth. The psalmist tells us that God is gracious and that God is compassionate that he's slow to anger and that he is rich in love, that he abounds in love, Psalm 145. Pay attention to this word grace, to this word gracious. We're going to be talking about it for the next eight or nine weeks. Circle it. Underline it. Do what Kent Wilcox would do. Read through the entire Bible and highlight every word grace that you see in the Bible. And then print out a a, a copy of it for everybody, right? I love you, Kent. The Bible says that God is a gracious God. And that he longs, he longs to be gracious to us. He longs to extend 
grace to us. That he loves to bless people, people like you and me, who don't deserve to be blessed at all. It's God's nature. It's who God is. It's what God does. The truth is, you and I will never understand grace. We will never understand the Christian life unless we understand grace. And you and I can never understand how to experience God in all of God's fullness until we understand something, something, no matter how small, of grace. Grace is at the core of our faith. In fact, I would argue that grace is the core of our faith. Grace is the core of our faith. It's at the heart of our relationship with God. It's at the heart of the Christian faith. And the more we understand grace, the deeper our experience of God. The deeper our experience. The more we understand and experience grace in our lives, the more readily we'll be able to extend that grace to other people as well. It's by grace through Christ, that God draws us to himself. Well, I'm calling this message series The Truth About Grace. And uh, somebody made a crack in the, uh, the meeting ahead of time with the teachers that, uh, you know, of all the books that are out about grace, you know, Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace, they said, well, how, how did you come up with a, with a title for this? Because they've all been taken, haven't they? And uh, this may have already been taken, but I'm going to use it anyway. But why the title, The Truth About Grace? Because I believe grace is too often misunderstood, right? Even by those who have been believers for a long time, grace is misunderstood. It's a complex and multifaceted topic. There's no one definition that adequately captures the real meaning of grace. So over the next weeks, we're going to explore a number of the aspects of grace. Many of you, whether you know it or not, know something about grace. For example, most of you have heard or you've sung the words, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch. <laughs> we don't use that word very often anymore. A wretch like me. Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. But I've discovered that even among longtime followers of Christ, Many may know that they're saved by grace, but they certainly don't live their lives as though they're saved by grace. Now, you may be like me and struggle with this as well, right? We know here something of grace. We've perhaps even been shown grace by people in our lives. But when it comes to actually living in grace and living by grace, we don't, we don't know much about that. We live instead as though we're saved by works, by what we do, by all the good things that we do. Too many of us have built our lives and our faith on pleasing an unpleasable God and trying to be perfect. That's my story. What's your story? Sometimes I feel like my entire life will be an attempt to please a God who cannot be pleased. The unpleasable parent, right? So you work hard and you try to be perfect. You try to do everything by the book. But oddly enough, you find out that you can't be perfect. <laughs> Have any of you discovered that, that you're not perfect? 
Too many of us view God as a dissatisfied parent who watches our every move with a suspicious eye waiting to punish us for the things that we do wrong. I don't care how long you've been a follower of Christ. Some of you sit here this morning and this is how you view God. Even though God is gracious, even though we understand that we're saved by grace, we live as though what we do matters most of all. If we could grasp one small piece, (laughs) a, a tip of God's grace, we would be changed. Think about all the accounts in the New Testament where Jesus encountered people that had issues. The woman who was caught in adultery, for example, or others. How did he respond to those people? He responded out of grace. He responded out of love, out of compassion. And it was that that changed people. You see, we know this. We know in our own lives that we've been changed when people extend grace to us. And yet we don't easily extend grace to ourselves or to other people. We could be free. We could be liberated from this notion that we have to somehow... Work to earn God's approval. We've already earned it. It's already there. My hope, my prayer is that through this series, we'll not only come to understand grace, but that we will actually begin to live in it and experience it and extend it to other people. That's my prayer. Well, this morning, I want to start with a foundational topic Saving grace. And uh, for some of you, this may seem a bit basic. It may even seem like a review. But I think that it's okay, it's important even from time to time, to remind ourselves of the basic truths that we affirm as followers of Christ. Saving grace is a basic truth of our faith. So what is it? Well, there's at least two dimensions. There's a whole lot more, but this is going to be a a brief message this morning. Two dimensions and certainly more. The first one is this. Grace is a free gift. You may have heard that a number of nations are offering to assist the United States um, during this time of crisis. A number of nations have stepped up and said, allow us to help. Did you know that we're kind of weighing whether or not we should accept that gift from other countries? Because after all, we're the ones who always give to everybody else. We operate from strength. We're proud, right? And I I heard that and I thought, you know, that is so much like us individually. It is so difficult to receive a gift, a free gift, because we're prideful and we're a million other things. In Romans, the Apostle Paul writes these words. All of us need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift through Jesus Christ. All of us need to be made right with God through grace. Grace is free. (laughs) We've been taught if something is too good to be true, right? It's probably not true. 
but this is true. It's not something that we can earn by being good enough. Not one of you, not any of us, are that good. Not any of us are that smart. Not any of us are that good looking. Not any of us have all the resources we need to earn God's gift of grace. You can't buy it. (laughs) It's absolutely free. No strings attached to anyone who will receive it. And that's where we get hung up. To anyone who will receive it. And this is truly one of the fundamental differences between Christianity and every other religion. Among the world's religions, only Christianity is built on grace. It's the only religion that asserts that God loves you and saves you apart from any effort on your part. Every other religion demands that you do something to earn, to gain your salvation, to gain your right standing before God, to earn God's approval. You have to do something. But Christianity declares that God in Christ has already done something for you and I. Paul says, while we were sinners, while we were still lost, Christ died for us. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ hung on a cross in a garbage dump outside of Jerusalem for you and for me. Prevenient grace. (laughs) We're not going to talk about that. God's grace was active even before you and I knew about it or could do anything about it or accept it. Christianity declares that God has done something. Even more amazing is this fact, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The resurrection. That he's alive. That he's here. That he's able to offer us, and everyone who will accept it, the gift of salvation. Jesus Christ is alive. The scandal. (laughs) Faith, the resurrection. This is grace. We've done nothing to deserve it. But God has given it to us regardless. We simply need to accept the gift and thank God for it. Easier said than done, right? It's essential to understand and to remember that this gift of grace comes through Christ. And that's the second dimension of grace I want to talk about this morning. He is the giver of grace, the one, the only one who saves us. The law was given through Moses, John wrote in his gospel, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Why through Jesus of Nazareth and not someone else? Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, because Jesus Christ alone died for our sins And the sins of the whole world, by the way. He alone rose from the dead. He alone is able to forgive sin. (laughs) No one else has ever done it. No one else ever will. Only Jesus Christ. Therefore, grace comes through him. In him alone. The law, the Ten Commandments, remind us of all that we've done wrong. Have you read them lately? (laughs) Probably not. Not great devotional reading. 
They remind us of how sinful we are, how far short we fall from God's ideal. But grace encourages us to get back on track. Grace gives us hope. Grace tells us that we can be forgiven and begin to head in the right direction. Grace tells us that we can have a fresh start in life. (laughs) I am grateful for God's grace. I was at a point one time in my life, and maybe some of you are there now or you have been, where you really believed that the choices that you'd made disqualified you from the grace of God. You ever been there? You know, boy, God, I have really blown it now. And you know what's so amazing about grace? (laughs) Is that uh, God not only forgives and allows us to start over again, but God takes all that garbage, all those poor decisions, all the mistakes we make, and somehow weaves those together and creates us into some sort of new thing, new person, and uses us if we allow him. If someone had told me 25 years ago, God will take all this stuff and will use it in your life to bless other people, I don't think I would have believed that. So no matter where you are this morning, no matter what you're struggling with, grace should give you hope. That God's at work in your life. He hasn't forgotten you. God's grace through Christ is a free gift. His salvation is a free gift. But there's one stipulation. You need to accept the gift. This gift, any gift that's not received, is worthless, right? And it is difficult to receive things from people. It's difficult to receive love and forgiveness And grace from God as well. In Christ, God has made this gift available to every one. But he's also customized the gift specifically for you because he knows exactly what your needs are. That's what's so great about God. You may be thinking, there is no way... I can come to God. There is no way that I could ever get on the right track because my life is a mess. (laughs) In fact, I have fouled things up to the point where I'm probably worthless. God's grace does not apply to me. What could God possibly do but judge me? And make me feel worse than I already feel. Why in the world would I want to get involved in this Christian thing? (laughs) It'll only make my life more complicated. To this, Jesus Christ says, come to me. That's how he called people, by the way. Come and follow me. He didn't say, clean up, quit smoking, quit drinking. Start wearing nice clothes, cut your hair, get rid of the goatee, it doesn't look good. He said, come, follow me. And he also said, come to me, come to me if you are tired, if you are burdened, 
In Peterson's translation, if you are burned out on religion, you come to me. Warts and all. I will not condemn you. I'm waiting for you to come home. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've become, Christ says, you come home. Come back to where you belong. Nothing in all the universe, Jesus said, can separate you from my love. (laughs) If you read that in Romans, that passage, where Paul goes into this cosmic description of God's love, it is amazing how much we're loved by God. The prophet Isaiah, who wasn't a touchy-feely sort of guy, I assume, (laughs) said the Lord longs to be gracious to you. God longs to be gracious. God wants to be gracious. He wants to lavish his love on us and his forgiveness. God wants to bless us, broken and undeserving as we are. (laughs) He's not mad at you. He doesn't shake his head in disgust. He's not disappointed. His heart is broken for you and he wants you to come home. You know what home feels like? And I recognize as I say this, for some of you this concept might be painful. Home is a good place. I can only liken it to, um, and I can't liken it to anything, I guess. I was going to make a bad illustration. Home. When you're there, you know it, right? I've had people that come into this church and they go, when I walked in there, I felt like I was home. I say, wow. I mean, that to me is, is a huge compliment. I would much rather hear that than, you know, the music rocked. The sermon was awesome, you know. I felt like I came home. God's grace is available to you. Those of you that have known him for a long time, those of you that may not know him at all, it's available to anyone who asks for it. Anyone, no matter what. (laughs) That is incredible. You are not here by accident this morning. God brought you here to hear about his love and his grace and his goodness. And if you've never received that gift, perhaps today is the day (laughs) that you extend your hands and you say, thank you. You know, we make coming to Christ very difficult, right? You have to pray this prayer. Unless you pray this prayer, you're not really a Christian. Some of you laugh because you know it's true. People come to Christ in a variety of ways. I mean, what if you scream out? You know, God, help! Is that legitimate? I think so. God's grace is available to each of us. I don't care how you get there. I don't care how you ask for it. God knows. And you simply need to do it. And maybe today is the day that you do that. That you cry out and you say to God like I did 20 some years ago, I am tired. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. 
And everything I do, just like we saw in the life of David, the harder we try, the more screwed up it gets. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, we turn it another notch sometimes. And we need to give up and accept God's grace and his love. It's as simple as that. It's as incredibly complex as that. That's what we all need to do today. Amen.